In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Last week I tried to set the context in which I think we have to understand Paul's ethical teaching. What we hear at the end of chapter 2, and then in our reading today from, the, from most of chapter 3, is some of that ethical uh, foundation for the Christian life that Paul is certainly concerned about. But before he gets to those ethics, he lays a foundation. He lays a groundwork of identity. He lays a groundwork of who we are in Christ. And what I tried to make clear last week is that in Paul's mind, at your baptism, something happened. For Paul, baptism is not merely a symbolic act of obedience. It is rather the moment in which you are united with Christ. The moment in which you become in Him so that whatever is true of Him becomes true of you as well. Because of this, thankfully, when God the Father looks on you, What he sees is Jesus Christ and not you. Paul said last week that we were buried with Christ, with him in baptism. And that we were also raised with Christ in baptism. That's why the symbol of baptism, we use a font, but traditionally the symbol is going into the water, letting it cover you and then coming back out alive because you are dying and rising again. And this theology of baptism, this theology of being identified with Christ, provides the groundwork for what Paul says in our reading this morning. Namely, he says in verse 20, we can see how his thought process gets started. He says in verse 20, If with Christ you died, to the elemental spirits of the world, why, as if you were still alive in the world, do you submit to regulations? Do you see the logic he's using here? If you've died to this world, why are you continuing to live like you still belong in this world? And notice, just to be clear, that for Paul here, the world isn't earth, physical space. He means the present ordering of the old creation. We'll see a bit more of this as we keep going. And then for a few verses, he talks about dying with Christ. And then at the start of chapter 3, he says, if then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. I'm sorry, this isn't moving. I don't see the clicker here. Can you move it one forward? If you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is your life appears, then you will appear with him in glory. That's the first four verses of chapter 3. And I want to stop here for a moment because I want to make sure that we all feel the weight, the incredible weight of what Paul just said. Notice 
the language. You have died. Can you go forward two slides? Yeah. You have died. And your life is hidden with Christ in God. Who you are in Christ is not known to you. It's not who you experience yourself to be every single day. That you is hidden. You can't see it. There is, as it were, a better version of you, thanks be to God, up there. Because that version of you exists in Christ. And Christ is up there. Seated at the right hand of God. But a day will come. Let me go forward one. A day will come. Notice the eschatology coming in here. When Christ who is your life will appear. And then you, the real you, whose life is hidden with Christ in God, the real you will appear as well. So we don't even know who we really are yet. We experience ourselves bound up in time with all of our Adamness ruining our lives. But who we are is hidden with Christ in God. And who we are will be revealed to us one day at the end when Christ appears. This is Paul's typical language for the second coming, his appearance. Then you will appear with him in glory. And notice, notice how closely linked our identity is with Christ in Paul's mind. At first, he merely says, your life is hidden with Christ in God. And that, that would be amazing enough. But then he says in verse 4, that Christ is our life. If you have been baptized into Christ, then what is true of him becomes true of you in such a way that Paul can say truly that Christ is your life. The real you isn't the one that you know with all of your doubt and fear and failure and brokenness and sin. That's Adam. And that's all who exist in Adam. That's the old world. But you, you have already died. And you have already been raised in the Messiah Jesus. And that you will be revealed on the last great day when Jesus Christ returns again in glory to finish transforming the world, to finish transforming you and I. And until then, this is the ethics until then, we must live to the best that we are able, like the real us, and not the us that we know. Notice what Paul says. If you can get this, you can get how Paul understands the Christian life, what we call sanctification. He says in verse 3, 
It was up there a moment ago. If we can go back one. He says in verse 3, For you have died. But then he says in verse 5, if we could go forward, Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. Notice that juxtaposition. You have died. Therefore, put to death. The imperative, the command put to death is in the process of catching up with the indicative. The statement of fact that you have already died with Christ. To put to death what has already died is to be in the process of becoming who you already are in Jesus Christ. This is sanctification. This is how we become better and more faithful disciples and imitators of Christ. We do this by becoming who we already are in Him. And what this means is that it makes this whole conversation about Christian morality incredibly complex. Because it's not about rules and laws. It's not, here's the, here's the guidebook. Check these boxes and you'll be doing everything that you're supposed to be doing. Christian morality is based on an indicative on a statement of fact about what Christ has done, the cross, as we just sang about, and about what happened to you when you were baptized. What's the first, for my, my Anglican priests in here, long-term Anglicans, what's the first question of the 1662 Catechism? They ask, what's your name, and what happened when you were baptized? Right? What happened when you were baptized? That's the question. We know what Christ has done. What happened to you when you were baptized? Because your whole life changed in that moment, whether you knew it or not. And who you are now is in the process of catching up with what happened to you at the baptismal font or in the baptismal waters. So the question before us is never, what do the rules say? What does the law say? Right? Christ is the telos of the law. Christ is the end of the law. The question before us when we think about what we should be doing as Christians, what we shouldn't be doing as Christians, is rather, do our behaviors and actions reflect the world to which we have died? Our old self? Adam? Or do our behaviors and actions reflect the new world? The new self? Jesus Christ? The Christian life is about the cross, baptism, and eschatology all crashing down into every moment of our lives and constantly asking us if we are living more like Adam or more like Jesus. If we are living more like the old self or more like our old self. If we are living more like the old world or living more like the new creation. Look at how Paul puts this in verses 9 and 10. Paul says, Do not lie to one another, 
seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on instead the new self, which is being renewed, made new in knowledge after the image of its creator, renewed. Renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. That renewal in knowledge with the goal of reflecting the image of our creator, God, that's the process of sanctification. That's the goal of Christian discipleship. That's the goal of this Christian community. But it starts with an incredible act of faith. Faith First and foremost, that the cross of Jesus Christ is more than a couple pieces of wood on which a a Jewish peasant died. And faith, that the waters of baptism are more than a merely symbolic act, but rather define who you are from now into eternity. Who you are. I cannot say this enough. Who you are with all your doubts, fears, brokenness, and sin, that you is dead. I know, I know that you feel that old self every day because I feel it too. But that old self is dead. He doesn't define you anymore. The old self doesn't define who you are. Which is why Paul says in the very next verse, Here, there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Christ is who defines you now. Nothing else. He is is your life. Who you were, dead. Who you are, Christ. Because He is in you, and you are in Him, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And I'm going to read the next couple of verses, so just keep moving the slides with me. Paul says then, put on then, as God's chosen people, put on. Notice the language. Put on compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so also you must forgive. And above all these Put on, clothe yourself. That's the image here. Clothe yourself with love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. How could you not be thankful? Compassion, kindness, Humility, meekness, patience, forgiveness, and above all, love. Those are the character traits of the person that you are in Jesus Christ. That's your true self. 
But since we await the revealing of our true selves on the last great day, until then we must day after day after day choose to put on these character traits. In the same way that you wake up each morning and choose what clothes you're going to put on, Paul was saying we should choose to put on, to clothe ourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, forgiveness, and love. They say dress for the job you want, but Paul would say dress like the real you who will be revealed on the last great day. Not the you that you know, but the you who is hidden with Christ in God. Make that decision every day to live like the you whose life is hidden with Christ in God. And what you will find, brothers and sisters, is that every day you make that choice is another day in which you are being renewed in the image of your Creator. Or to put it another way, every day you make that choice to put on the new self is another day that you become more like who you already are. Amen.